und herzlich willkommen bei Multilingual Stories. Mein Name ist Dr. Bettina Gruber und ich bin die Linguistin. Ich unterstütze voller Begeisterung mehrsprachige Familien mit Herz und Verstand auf ihrem individuellen Weg, damit ihre Kinder alle Familiensprachen erfolgreich und mit Leichtigkeit lernen können. In meinem Podcast bekommst du sehr persönliche Geschichten von Mehrsprachigkeit aus der ganzen Welt zu hören. Lehn dich zurück und lass dich inspirieren. Wie schön, dass du heute wieder dabei bist. Heute gibt es wieder eine englische Folge. Mein Gast heute ist Dr. Thomas McFadden, ein Linguist, der heute seine Geschichte und seine Erfahrung mit den verschiedenen Sprachen erzählt. Er ist auch der Ehemann von Sandia aus der Folge der letzten Woche. Viel Spaß mit der heutigen Folge und wenn es dir gefallen hat, dann hinterlass mir super gerne eine Bewertung oder einen Kommentar in der Podcast-App deiner Wahl. Hi everyone and welcome to Multilingual Stories. Today we're going to have another English episode. Today we're going to have the episode that's following last week's with uh, Sandhya. Today her husband Thomas McFadden is here. He's also a linguist. Hi Tom, I'm super happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself. Hi Bettina, uh, this is uh, really, I'm really excited to be here. Um, uh, so thanks for having me. I'm an avid podcast lister, listener and I've uh, recently started listening to your podcast and I really enjoy it so um, thank you very excited to be here um, yeah so my name is Tom um, I uh, let's see I I am from the U.S. Um, and I lived there for the first 20 some years of my life but I've been in Europe in various places now for the past uh, 17 years wow. um so uh yeah so i um i started learning german in uh in junior high and high school and um got very interested in it and studied german uh, in college and uh, as for my my bachelor's and so related to that i spent uh, a year abroad in in austria in graz um and uh sort of fell in love with um I don't know, with being in Europe and also with uh, German dialects. And so then when I, I went to grad school back in the U.S., um, I, I continued working on German and always had this idea of going back to Europe. And so when I when I finished my Ph.D., I um, had the goal of coming back to Europe for a, for a postdoc. And I was lucky enough to get one in uh, pretty much right after I finished to get, get a, a postdoc in Stuttgart. And so then I lived in Stuttgart for five years. Um, partway through that, Sandia uh, joined me. We had met in the U.S. and she came over to Stuttgart. And then we moved together to Norway, to Tromsø in the Arctic Circle. Um, we spent four years there. And then um, Sandia got a job in Leipzig. And so we came back to Germany. And so she had a job in Leipzig for six years and I had a job. And then I got a job in Berlin. So then we spent a few years sort of uh, commuting back and forth between Leipzig and Berlin. Um, and now we're, we were sort of settled in Berlin, but now we're going to be moving back to the U.S. Yeah. in the next few months. So, yeah. um, so we've been all over the place well not all over the place but we've we've been a lot of different places um mm -hmm. and uh yeah so uh, 
exposed to a lot of different languages, spending a lot of time, um, still most of my time speaking English, but a lot of time also with with German and Norwegian and, and Tamil and um, so, yeah. Of course, I want to know more about the the whole Austrian Bavarian thing because you know that's one of the things that are so remarkable for me about you is you are capable of speaking Austrian dialect in a way that's you know that's almost native like that's amazing. How did you do that? Well, okay, so I I I, I think I think I'm not quite that that far along, but I. So I I can imitate a few sentences and then um, I I also as the time goes by I have more and more trouble switching back and forth between Austrian and say like uh, or different types of Austrian and and like different come on listen to you okay. different types of Austrian you can you know you can even hear the differences you probably know whether somebody well Graz you can probably the the, the Styrian dialect is quite um, uh, distinct so that that stands out a little. Uh, but you can probably tell where people come from. A little bit. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can tell a little bit. And um, uh, I mean, so basically, what happened as I was like, like I said, I, I had studied German for a long time, and I, I spoke German reasonably well, or at least I could read German and I could understand German, and um, I could sort of speak it in a very, you know, schoolish sort of way, right? Like I would, I, I could go to literature classes and talk about. I don't know, you know, uh, German novels in German with my professor, um, but I hadn't really encountered much colloquial German, let alone mm -hmm. any sort of variety until I then in my, my junior year of college went to, went to Gotts. And I went to Gotts simply because that's the, that's the place where um, my university had a, like an exchange agreement. And so, so I how old were you when you went there? I was 20. Mm -hmm. I was 20 and I spent, yeah. And I turned 21 while I was there. Um, This was in 95, 96. And, um, and so I got there and I, I remember like I had this very weird itinerary getting there that my dad had booked for me where I flew into Milan and then took a series of trains to get to oh, wow. <laughs> He had frequent flyer miles. But the result was that it's like the middle of the night and I'm on a train. I'm on a local train coming from Brook and Demur to Graz <laughs> at four in the morning or something like that. And some guy comes up to me and says, like basically my first sentence that I've ever heard in, in the wild. And I had no idea what he was saying. And he said it several different times. And eventually I realized he was asking if I, if I had a light, he wanted a light for his cigarette. Mm -hmm. and, and those were the times. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You could still smoke in trains. Um, and I had no idea what was going on. And then from that point on, I was like, okay, this is, this is not at all what I learned in school. This mm -hmm. is not what I was expecting. This is completely different. I had like a month where I was thrown off by it and had a lot of trouble communicating, but then I sort of got used to it. And it helped, of course, that most of the people that I interacted or a lot of the people that I interacted with on a day-to-day -day basis were, um, were international students. So I heard, I also heard, you know, German, German, and I heard lot, lots of, you know, I don't, Italians and Finns and, um, and, and, and French people speak it solely speaking with Austrians, but I, um, you know, I got a feeling for it fairly quickly. And then once I kind of was able to hear my way around it, then I sort of fell in love with it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever because it's growing up in the U.S. There is a fair amount of dialect diversity, but it's just nothing compared to what you get in Austria. I mean, in England, you get things that go in this direction, but not not really in the U.S. And so I was just stunned by 
how different it was. And um, there was a there was a course that the international program offered where it was like a practicalities course. And they spent a couple of weeks with somebody like teaching us a little bit about Austrian German. And uh, I was like, okay, this is super cool. And so the, so the, what what ended up happening then is that after I after I went back then for my my senior year of college, I was trying to figure out what to do right after. And I was thinking about going to grad school, but then I also, uh, I wanted to go back to Europe. And so I, um, I applied for a Fulbright. So, and, and, you know, for a Fulbright, you have to have a research project. And so I wrote this thing to say, okay, I want to go to Munich and study Bavarian dialects. Because I'd figured out by this point that, okay, Austrian and Bavarian were similar. And um, mm-hmm. and I really liked Munich when I was traveling. So I was like, okay, I need an excuse to live there for a year. Um, and I guess, I don't know, the German Fulbright people thought it was cool that an American wanted to come and study dialect. So I got, I got the fellowship. And so I was able to spend a year there and take dialectology courses and just go to the library and read all of the different grammars of the different village dialects of, mm-hmm. you know. And so... Um, yeah, so I, I picked up a fair amount. I mean, again, like, so I can I can imitate sentences. I can, you know, if there's a song that I've heard or whatever, like, I can I can repeat it back and I can say little bits and pieces, but I can't really I can't really produce large amounts of dialect. Um, yeah. yeah, but so from what I've heard, it was pretty impressive. Um, but let's let's go back a little further in the story. What I find also quite remarkable. So you had German at school at high school. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S., yeah. and you immediately started being interested in German. So, yeah, so so I started taking German in seventh grade. Um, so at that point, you could either take French, German, or Spanish, and I wanted to take Spanish because I was lazy and it had the reputation of being the easiest, and my dad said, no, 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 you should take uh-huh. German. You're smart, and German's hard, and we have German ancestry, so you should take German. And I was like, okay, so I'll take German. Um, and I, it took a little while, but after a year, after a couple of years, I got sort of interested in German. I liked, I mean, so for, I, I like case and I never, yeah. you know, <laughs> German and also Latin at the time I was learning a little bit. So I got excited about case and things like that. So German grammar started sort of fascinating me and um, yeah. And, and, you know, I had reasonably good German teaching in, in junior high and high school um, so that by the end of high school, I was pretty decent at. At German and I liked and I liked reading so I liked reading literature and that sort of thing so mm. um, it was like a nice combination I could do some of this language stuff which I was into I was gradually getting into linguistics and learning about it um, and if it was sort of a way for me to do that and also like read novels and and, and talk about them um, and uh, so yeah so I then I, I got very much into the actual grammatical side of things mm. Um, this, I think this is also part of why I got into the dialects is because the, at least compared to what I naively knew about English dialects at the time, the, there was a lot, there's a lot of differences in the, in the morphology and the, in the yeah. grammatical aspects of the German dialects that was, I was sort of blown away by the, mm. the you know, this level of difference, um, you know, things yeah. like, like complementizer agreement, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> know a lot about, um, so yeah, I just I found that there was like uh, yeah, it was a lot of different things coming together for me. Um, cool, uh, amazing. Um, so now let's go to an entirely different language because I'm super curious about that, and I think um, a lot of our listeners might be interested in that too. 
Um, so your wife speaks uh, Tamil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know from, you know, we've known each other for a few years now. And I know that um, you've started or you started at some point um, trying to learn uh, Tamil as well. Um, do you want to take us on this journey a little bit, like share sure, some sure. of your experiences? Yeah, I mean, so I've been <laughs> I've been learning Tamil for, oh, I don't know, a long time now. Um, and uh, it's it's sort of strange because <clears throat> it's uh, I mean it's a really amazing really interesting language it's very very different from either English or German or the other languages that I'm familiar that I was familiar with um, uh, which makes it a challenge to learn also makes it really interesting to learn makes it really interesting from a linguistic standpoint so you know like from also from being with Sandhya, like we've started, we, we do research on the language and um, there's just super cool, amazing things there to, to work on if you're a syntactician um, or a morphologist. Um, but it's been, it's been hard to learn because, so partly because like you can't rely on, I mean, it's a, it's a Dravidian language, so it's not, it's not related to English or German or any of the other European languages in any at least not in any provable way if there's if it's related it's so far back that it doesn't matter so there's basically no shared vocabulary there's no there's no you know words that you recognize and can say okay i know this looks a little bit you know if you're learning german there's a lot of words that look familiar so they're not too hard to learn and there's none of that Um, and again like the grammar is very very different so that makes it hard and the other thing that makes it hard is that there's not much in the way of i mean there's not much in the way of materials that are really good for learning the language um, as a, as a, you know, as a second language. Um, And it's not like, so it's not like this is a small language. It's spoken by 75 or 80 million people, right? It's a huge, huge language. It's just not one. It's not a language that has this um, international presence that um, makes it beneficial for, I don't know, people to learn for business or something like that. So there are grammars out there. There are books for learning it, but um, most of them are just not very good. So it's difficult to find resources. And it's also, you, it's not easy to find like a place where you could take a course or something like that. Um, so there, there are a couple of resources that are good that I found over the years. Um, and so I've worked with them off and on. And I picked up a fair amount passively, especially when, when we go to India and I spend, you know, a significant amount of time with Sandhya and her parents and I hear Mm -hmm. them speaking. So I've picked up a pretty good amount of passive knowledge. I understand a fair amount of what's going on. And in principle, I, I can, you know, say a lot of things, but, um, but it's, it's been hard and I, it's a, it's sort of a sore spot for me because I've, um, I've always thought of myself, I mean, like, you know, German went quite well for me. And so I had this view of myself as being very good at learning languages. And I, and, and my experience with Tamil has been humbling. Um, It's been much, much harder. Um, So yeah, I kind of feel like after all these years, I should be somewhat further along. I can relate to that feeling a lot. So in my case, it's just Greek. Um, And I did do ancient Greek um, at university and, those are quite similar. I mean, they, there's a lot of similar words and stuff still. So there's a lot of bridges I can build on, um, but I'm not nearly as fluent as I would like to be and as I think I should be. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, um, 
I was always at school, I was always the one, you know, the languages came really easily to me, you know, pronunciation was never an issue. You know, I'm, I'm good at that. So I think of myself as somebody who's, you know, really good at picking up a new language. But with Greek, somehow, and I find for myself, I don't know if you can relate to that too. You know, I just never made it a priority to become fluent because I understand what's going on in the family. Like I understand enough of what's going on in the family. I can survive in the wild, like in the supermarket, I get by. Um, I also feel like by now I should be able to have super eloquent conversations in Greek, but, you know, I'm not. But also at the same time, I never prioritized it such that, you know, I said, okay, now I'm going to sit down every day. I'm going to do a course. I'm, you know, I never did that. And, you know, yeah. that's. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think that's, that's obviously that's a big part of the problem. And I've, I've made uh, several different times. I've sort of tried to do that. I said, okay, no, no, now I'm going to set aside this time. Or I had a period where I had regular um, uh, Skype appointments with uh, Sandhya's mom and, and, um, and we would speak Tamil and German to each other. So she's, her mom is super into German. So like we would speak German so she could get to practice her German. And then we would speak Tamil so that I could practice mine. But, um, you know, all of these things, you know, you, you try to make it a priority, but then other things intervene mm -hmm. and you get busy doing something else or you move or whatever. And um, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah it's hard it, it's and it's never it, like i think maybe it would be different if there were like a course that i signed up for and i were going to in person and paying for something like that you know but that doesn't exist um and who knows maybe then i would actually it does by now it does i have not checked it out and i don't know any more details about it by now but chitra natarajan who was on a podcast um several months ago um, she told me that they now found an online resource where there's actually Tamil courses. So mm. that might be interesting for you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I should look again. Yeah. I mean, I periodically look and I often find, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I should, so to, to be fair also, there's, uh, I think it somewhere in the U S Middlebury, I think there's a college that has like regular summer course, like a six week intensive summer course. And there's also this one in, in India. And so there's a couple of times when I've been like, okay, maybe this year I can go and sign up and do this. But yeah, I mean, finding six weeks to go somewhere yeah. and not like not work and, and not uh, also not go on vacation is, you know, it's hard. Um, I've so, looked into the same thing, by the way, Tom, I've done yeah. all this too. It's, uh, we've, I mean, we've tried this. So we did a couple of different times we had the idea of, okay, like we'll go, we'll go and stay with some of his parents. And then I'll go off down to, to like to Pondicherry where they have these courses. I'll go there during the week. And then on the weekend we'll hang out. And um, it sounds like a great idea. Actually, I would love to do it, but like, it's just, you know, yeah, it's really hard to find the time to go. And then if we're going to be there, I want to, you know, I want to be hanging out with the family. I don't want to be spending, yeah. it's like going for one week or two weeks. That's, that's, mm that's totally fine but going for like five or six weeks to yeah. a intensive course not hanging out with the family that's that's harder different story yeah. and now the situation is a different one again because now you have a baby yes um so you know i've already i already talked to sandhya in the last uh, podcast episode about you know how it is how you're handling your languages at home and i'm super curious now to hear your perspective on this issue 
Yeah, I mean, so so first, like, first off, my hope has has always been that this will be the key to me finally getting my back in better shape. Because um, I mean, just for the simple fact that it means that I'm I'm getting actually more input than yeah. than and and you know and like it's not like when her parents visit that after a few weeks they're going to go away like she's mm-hmm. going to stick around so um, <laughs> so I'm and and also also you know like it's baby time at the start so like um, yeah <laughs> yeah I know what you mean. I'm getting lots of I'm getting lots of short repetitive sentences. Um, no. So, yeah. So, so the, the, the situation, so the way that we do it now, I mean, we have this, again, we're, we're you know, we're still in Berlin. And so we, um, German is also around. Um, but no, the way that we are doing it um, is that, I mean, I speak to her in English and Sunday speaks to her in, in Tamil. Um, we both slip out of that a bit. Like I will, we'll both occasionally speak German with her, especially when there are other people around. Um Sometimes we'll also speak German with her because it's fun. So like a lot of her storybooks and her mm-hmm. little, her little Liederbücher, you know, that you, the little, you push the buttons and it sings a song. Those are in German. Um, so she gets some German that way, but we don't speak too much German to her. Um, so it's mostly English from me and, and Tamil from Sandhya. The the tricky thing there is that our language with each other is has always been English. Again, we sometimes speak German with each other, but we mostly speak English. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking to each other around her, she's hearing English. So um, so it's a big part. It's a very like big priority for both of us to make sure that um, whatever we figure out a way to to get this right, so that she's getting. Lots of time. I mean, English is just not going to be an issue. We're going to be moving to the U.S. Yeah. where she's going to have, have you know, all the English she could want. So Tamil is the big priority. We'd also like her to have German. Um, it turns out that she's a German citizen, um, yeah. which neither of us is, but she is. So, yeah. um, you know, we and, you know, we have a we have a, a good connection, both of us with German for, for a long time. So we'd like her to have German, but that's that's you know second on the list uh, a distant second on the list after after tamil oh, first. So. Yeah. and i occasionally speak some tamil with her like i mean the really tiny things like come here and go to mommy like you know that i can manage um and i don't know if it's a good idea to do that um, oh that's amazing for the minority language i hate that term but it just it makes sense in the context that that's amazing because you do basically what you do is you do more than just speak Tamil with her. You also convey that you appreciate the language, um, that you're willing to learn it yourself, which is something that she will pick up on later on mm-hmm. in the journey. And then she will start correcting you, which is super fun. Oh, good. I hope so. <laughs> um, so that's that's great, actually, especially since you're going to be moving to the U.S. So English is not going to be an issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing that she can hear you speak Tamil as well. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay, that's 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 also. I mean, that's good for for me to practice as well, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, as, if it's not bad for her, then I'm I'm very no. happy. Um, is it is it bad if like we so and is it bad for for us to speak a bit of German with her or is that a good thing? Mm-hmm. Um, in which sense bad? Oh, it, bad. Okay, bad for her learning Tamil. Like that's the yes, because it will be something that she will be not be hearing in Tamil. Every German sentence you say to her, or every English sentence that Sandhya says to her, is a sentence that she is not hearing in Tamil. Right. And Tamil will be the thing that you will have to focus on. Right. Right. 
and yeah. it's not always going to be easy. Yeah, that's yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I mean, so like, so now we have a situation. We've started. We have a. a we started getting a babysitter um, for part of the day. Some days. I mean, start like yesterday was the first day. So, um, and so that we can um, work a little bit, <laughs> and um, so we speak we speak German with the babysitter, of course. And so then, uh, and this also happens like in doctor's offices and things like that. If we're, if we're talking to Lila w- with Germans present, we often or usually speak German to her. Um, but uh, maybe that's not such a good idea. Well, considering that you're going to be moving to the U S I would just, you know, do whatever. Mm. If you were to stay in Germany, I would suggest to not do that. I would suggest to stick to English and Tamil respectively, irrespective of who's around. First of all, English is a language that most people understand anyways, especially if you're at a doctor's office. So that's not going to be the issue. Um, And second, the older the kids get, the more of the majority language they get to hear and practice and speak and everything. And the more important it will be to keep up the languages that are not spoken everywhere around. So in the sense of getting into the habit, you know, you should start doing that from early on, basically stick to your own languages. And the younger the child is, the more important it is to stick to one language. But with that, I'm, you know, that's more about like code mixing and um, and switching. Mm-hmm. Like within utterances, I wouldn't mix the languages with a baby that young, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Because then it's going to be difficult to to cognitively sort those things out, right? right, right. right? Yeah. If they're older, like with my kids, you know, the other day, um, Noah, our youngest, he said uh, to Alexis, Thakanume and Arenen apo here. Like we're doing, we're going, um, we're doing a race from here. And that was like English, a Greek German mix, you know? And then he comes and says, I want more because he's going to an English children's house. So, you know, all of a sudden he would say to us, I'm finished. (laughs) You know, he, he mixes his languages, but he's super aware of them. You know, he knows this is English, this is German, this is Greek. Right, right, right. Right. So. Yeah, this will be interesting for the for Tamil because like the way that that Sandhya and her family speak Tamil is 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 constant English Tamil code mixing. Yes. Um, uh, and um, although interesting, I mean, like it's it's really cool because then Sandhya has a different English accent when she's mixing with Tamil, so she speaks Indian English. Well, not just accent dialect; she speaks Indian English when she's. Oh, that's amazing. When she's speaking, I mean, in general, when she's speaking with her parents or with other Indians, um, but so the, the code mixing, I don't, I don't, it would be, I, I think, I bet I, she would probably find it really hard to code switch between Tamil and American English. That would be actually that's amazing. Um, that's amazing. But you know, that's an entirely different story again, because this is how Tamil works, right? Yeah. This so is, this then is you have to become clear on what you want for your daughter's Tamil. Do you want her to be able to speak you know, the pure Tamil without any um, English words in it? Or are you fine that she, you know, she uses Tamil like everybody else does and that involves a lot of code mixing. So I don't see a problem there. The question is always, what's the goal? What's the target that you want to reach? 
That's what you need to look at. Alexis can do that too, by the way. I, like the first time I heard him do that, I thought I was going to fall off the couch <laughs> in his parents' living room because there's a lot of English around at his house, at his parents' house all the time anyways. Um, his sister is married to an American and um, his parents, they used to live in, in the UK. So, you know, they speak, their English is really good. So there's a lot of English around. So the first time I ever came to Greece and we were in the living room and I don't know who, was it me or somebody else said something in English and his dad couldn't parse it. He didn't know what we were saying. <laughs> and instead of Alexis telling him this thing in Greek, he told him that sentence in English with a Greek accent. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, you know his English, you know how he speaks, you know, you cannot detect any Greek accent, <laughs> but he can switch it on like that. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I mean, it's very, it's very, it's really cool to watch. Um, I mean, and it's, there, I mean, like, you know, Indian English is like a very, I mean, English, especially in Southern India is huge. And so like, there's a whole, I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate, um, actually there's several different varieties, but it's a legitimate, you know, dialect of English of its own with its own vocabulary and phonology and all of that and um and so they you know she and she's really expert at deploying it in certain situations i mean not just speaking with her parents but like if if we're in india and she calls up like i, I can't call a restaurant or a hotel she mm -hmm. has to do it and speak to them in indian english and then she'll get then then she'll get better treatment because you know mm -hmm. she knows how to like mm -hmm. um because I can't, I can't do the right linguistic thing. If I'm, if I'm, they'll peg me immediately as a foreigner and they'll treat me very nicely, but they won't, you know, I won't get the, I won't get the good food, for example. And they charge you three times the price. Oh, sorry, right. So she just <laughs> call and just like deploy this linguistic. It's, it's amazing. It's like, uh, it's like a superpower that I, that I'm just like, okay, wow, I wish I could do that. <laughs> but it, it shows so clearly that, you know, language is so much more than a means of communication. It, you know, language also, you, you can show whether you're part of a group or not. Yeah, absolutely. Depending on what kind of language you use. Absolutely. So it goes yeah. so deep, which is why I think it's so important that we pass on the languages to our children, because otherwise they will never have access to this particular part of the culture. Yeah, I, I catch myself now. We're now that we're we're getting ready to move, and I, we're making a lot of phone calls to people in the U.S. And there are circumstances there where I I, can't, I realize sort of halfway through or after the fact that I I switch my accent a bit. I mean, I've been living abroad for so long that I I mean, I obviously have an American accent, but I I play down some of the colloquialisms and some of the specific regionalisms that I have when I'm speaking to you know non-Americans. And if I am talking to somebody in the US and I'm trying to develop a rapport, I will, you know, get much more colloquial and I'll get much more, you know, like you can hear more that I come from the Philadelphia area. Even if I'm speaking to somebody who's not from there, I'll still mm -hmm. do that so that they can Amazing. tell, okay, yes, no, he really is an American and, you know, we're, we've got a rapport mm -hmm. and, um, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And he, like I do it without realizing it. And then after the fact, I noticed that yeah. it's very cool. It happens subconsciously. Yeah. yeah. Like the story you told um, earlier when you came to Graz and you had this encounter with this guy on the train and you didn't know what he was saying to you at all. I had a similar experience. So after I graduated from high school, I um, went to live in England for some time. And I started off um, in Horsham between Brighton and London. Um, 
and they spoke, you know, very proper English. And with my school English, that was no problem at all. But then I moved during my time there, I moved and I moved to Southend-on-Sea, which is in Essex. And they have a very, very strong accent. Mm. And a funny thing was, you know, I came there and the first night out in the pub, I had no clue what people were saying. And after, I don't know how long was I there for, two months, I came back to Austria. I met other British people and they knew that I was in Essex. Like the, I picked up that accent so strongly that I was speaking that accent. I was using it actually. And now for me, the hardest is when I, I don't talk to English people a lot anymore, but when I do, that completely does my brain in because that is the first real accent that I picked up in English. Mm-hmm. But when that comes back to me, you know, I naturally want to, you know, <laughs> shove it out again. But then there's all this international whatever thing that came in afterwards. And that's like, oh, my God, get, you know, uh, uh, and then I start to stutter and I don't even want to speak anymore. And I want to get it right, you know, because I know I could do that accent so well. <laughs> but that's gone. Yeah, no, this is uh, this has always been like an issue for me. Uh, uh, you know, what how to speak German. I mean, the German in my German is the German that I normally speak is always has always been fairly fairly standard-ish um but as i moved around different places it picked up colorings from here and there and so you know especially the first for the for the longest time i was always in southern parts of german germany slash austria and so people could pick up on that um but i i've always been interested in the dialects around where i was you know various types of austrian and then various types of bavarian and then swabian and then saxon and I always would want to be able to speak in the accent, but I never felt like I was allowed to. I've always yeah. felt like a bit um, a bit presumptuous to put on an accent. Like, even though like, it's not like, you know, sort of standard vanilla German isn't my accent either. It's all something that I put on, but there's something, uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I always felt like a bit of an imposter if I would actually start you know, running around speaking Bavarian to somebody. Um, but could you help it? Like, you know, when, when I was in Essex that I couldn't help the way I spoke, it was the same actually when I moved to Vienna, by the way. So you must know that in Austria, you know, there's, I always compare it a little bit to France. Like there's the Parisian French and then there's the rest. And then there's the Viennese Austrian. And then there's the rest, although the rest is super colorful, but you know that's the way it is. But I came here and I happened to hang out mostly with actual Viennese people, although they're not, you know, there's a lot of people from all over Austria coming here. And I immediately picked up the Viennese Austrian. Um, and I couldn't help it. It, it was yeah. not a conscious decision that I made. It just happened. Like the Essex English just happened to me. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, in Austria, like, so it's weird because I started off in, in, in Graz, like Viennese has always been a, a mystery. I've spent relatively little time in Vienna. So, and Viennese is completely bonkers. It's very weird. I mean, it's very different from the rest. Like, I mean, at least to a first approximation, the rest of Austria, you know, except for like Vorarlberg is much closer to, as far as I can tell, much closer to like what you, what you get on the other side of the border in, in, in Bavaria and Viennese yeah. is just this. <laughs> Weird. Well, there's two types, right? There's there's the standard Austrian Viennese, right. which is very close to, you know, very close as, you know, to a um, standard German, which is what right. I speak, 
you know. Right. But then you have the, you know, the taxi driver um, Viennese, and that's right. probably the one that you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, like, just the, I mean, the, you know, Vas versus Vas, like, this is, yeah. like, and and this, and it, and so I I wasn't exposed to that that much in, in Gotts, except that there are bits and pieces of that that, like, in the Gotts dialect have sort of come over mm-hmm. what are not there in the in the surrounding area so like Viennese, Viennese I've always found this sort of weird thing but um but yeah I mean like for me so there are parts that I'll pick up I guess, I guess part of it is also like the way that I've lived I've never I almost never spend time with people who are going to speak actual base dialect with me they're going to like unless I really really ask them to so they're going to speak slightly accented um mm-hmm. so i so when i go so this is why like it's not it's not like i so i i pick up like i said like a, a bit of an accent but never the dialect so just like um i would after spending a while in um you know in munich i would say something like i might say like um heist rather than heist but mm-hmm. i would never say what Right, like uh, I yeah, never, yeah, sure. right. So yeah. I'll have a, I'll have a, an A rather than an I, but not a, right. I'll have a, like a, yeah. Right. So, um, and uh, yeah, I don't. I would never like. Yeah, I might occasionally say this or or mm-hmm. or, or, but I, I probably wouldn't say net or e or anything like that. Right. Mm-hmm. I would. I, I wouldn't. There's a certain. Yeah, I'm, and I'm probably I'm not going to have complementizer agreement. I'm not. <laughs> Uh, oh, come on <laughs> i wouldn't say i wouldn't say ace instead of ear right like these are things that oh just, yeah 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 right? yeah. these are things that uh, i mean and, and uh, frankly a lot of these are things that i have almost never actually heard in the wild they're things that i read in books right like people don't run around saying have we never spoken german have i never spoken that because all the things that you just mentioned are part of my dialect right but but you but so that's the thing right like you and i will uh, if i ask you really yeah. nicely you'll do it with, for a couple of sentences but then you'll switch into if i'm talking about Probably, you, yeah. even in accented hochdeutsch you're gonna um right uh so that, that's the thing right so like i so i pick up these little these little colorings and um you know and after spending five years in stuttgart my, my you know my my a my short a's went from being a bit all colored to a bit all colored right i mean like but these are very minor things in the mm-hmm. in the very sort of surface level phonology like um you know so uh yeah so like i have this i guess that's the part of the thing like i have this conscious conscious knowledge of what the dialect would sound like in a certain place that i can sort of use consciously but it's not it's not part of my implicit knowledge of the language mm-hmm. so so it is. It, that's I guess that's why part of what feels like I'm imitating or 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 playing a role rather than just speaking because I am you know consciously deploying these things that I've learned out of a book, not things that I picked up mm-hmm. from just absorbing it from speakers. Right. Um, so have you noticed any improvement on your Tamil recently with hearing it more every day? Um, I mean a little bit, a little bit, like. Uh, it's so it's hard to it's hard to say like so whenever so whenever Sunday's parents come to visit or we go to visit them like I in, after a couple of weeks I very quickly get a an improvement and then that after they leave then that goes away right so I don't I'm, I'm still in the stage where like I'm yeah I'm having the the somewhat improved level but it's not anything new yet so I don't know I don't mm-hmm. know yet 
I don't know yet whether to take it seriously. <laughs> um, but I am, I mean, so I am certainly speaking Tamar more than I usually do. I don't, I, I won't, I, I don't trust myself. I don't have the guts to speak Tamil to Sandhya or her parents most of the time. Um, I'll get that it. you have to overcome. I know, I know. It's very hard. It's very hard. Um, and Sandhya has to be open to that, <laughs> which you will. Yeah, that's, yeah. So that, there's, yeah. Um, she, so she, she has very high standards. So she like, she also is like, Hey, you learned German really well. So you should be able to get these vowels, right? You should be able to get, you should be able to get, you know, long vowels and unstressed. I'll have, I'll have a word with her. <laughs> I'll have a word with her. Um, you see, when I start speaking Greek at home, which I do more and more, actually, I have by now four people correcting me, right. four <laughs> people correcting me including the youngest yeah they detect the slightest mistake and i'm not even talking about grammatical errors of course they correct those pronunciation you know if it's not a hundred percent spot on they will make me repeat it yeah once twice three times yeah that's this is the thing and it's it's hard i mean it's it's hard. Like I uh, even, even, you know, again, like I intellectually know, okay, this, 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 this is supposed to have a retroflex and this is supposed to have a dental or this is supposed to be a long vowel, but like there are things yeah. that just that my, my English and German phonology just can't quite. Yeah. You know, like there are things that like, I have to try really, really hard to get there. Um, you know, it took me, it took me months to, actually always correctly hear the pitch in Greek. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, for months, I would like say it again, say it again. No, I'm not getting it. And like, no, I said it right. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, but you, no, but you didn't. By now I hear it immediately, but I couldn't for a long time. I needed to get used to it. So, you know, and what I find is, you know, and I'm sure you have the exact same situation. Like, I just want to speak. And I want to say something and get my sentence out, but then I get a linguistics lecture in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, exactly. I am not interested in that right now. I just want to get the sentence out. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I, I mean, of course, like by now, it's the, I make the same mistakes over and over again. So it's always like, no, you've got the wrong, you know, you've got the wrong consonant series or no, you've, you've got the wrong, you're not making sufficient, just like unstressed vowels that have, all kinds of like very small distinctions that I can barely hear. Um, and I'm not getting them right. Like, okay. But are those actual minimal pairs? Does it oh, actually, yeah. oh, they yeah. are. Okay. Yeah. Then that's a pain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what can you do? Yeah. All right. I just have well, to keep practicing. Yeah, exactly. We're going to make a pact. We're going to practice, practice, practice um, to both improve our Tamil and Greek um, exactly. skills. <laughs> right. Tom, it was amazing having you here and hearing all those stories from you. Is there anything that I did not ask you that I should have asked you? Is there any story that you want to share? Anything that's that you thought about before that we didn't get to? Um, I don't think so. I think we we covered a remarkable amount of ground. Yeah, I think I think that's everything. Great. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time and for your story. Thank you. This has been super fun. Yes, absolutely. I love talking to you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs>